Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 117 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name is Barbara. How's everybody doing? What's happening, Barb? How's Florida and the dental lab business? Florida is very hot and the dental lab business is very hot, I should say. (laughs) Super busy. We record this on a Friday. I've done so much work so far today. I'm kind of burnt out, ready for the weekend. But yes, we are busy and back probably 110% of the 100 we were. It's crazy. So good things. That is crazy. We're bringing more employees back next week, which is great. Good. Always happy to see people to come back. Work, I felt, has plateaued a little bit. You know, we were coming out strong early June, but I don't know if everyone's going back to work now, so less people going to the dentist, or, you know, we've already done all the work on the anti-COVID people, and now we just got to get the other people into the chair, but I'm still hoping for some good things. Yeah, me too. So, as always, this month... Dental Laboratory Technician Appreciation Month. Make sure you stick around to the end of the episode. We got a couple more audio thanks that people have sent in to celebrate. So make sure you stick around. So this week, we talked to some individuals involved with the National Board of Certification, the NBC, and the Foundation of Dental Laboratory Technology. First up, I had a chance to talk with Dennis Urban from DSG in Mount Vernon, New York. Dennis comes on to talk about how he got into the industry, found his passion to get a CDT, why he got onto the board to help promote it, and what the NBC is doing now and what they're planning on doing in the future. Then Barb and I had a chance to chat with the two Shans. Sean Siegel from Anchorage, Alaska is the chairperson of the foundation, and Sean Nowak from Nowak Dental Supplies, he's the fiscal officer of the foundation. Talk about all the great grants and scholarships that the foundation is offering and how the organization is dealing with COVID and how they plan to bounce back next year. So join us as we chat with Dennis Urban, Sean Siegel, and Sean Nowak. One of the fastest growing applications for 3D printing is producing accurate splints quickly and efficiently. Hard splints, soft splints, and even bilaminar splints, those are the ones that are hard on the outside and soft on the inside, are being made every day by labs that offer additive technology. Whitmix has created Verisplint OS, a popular 3D printed resin that is rigid, durable, and affordable. This popular resin was the first 510K accepted splint material that is transparent, biocompatible, and polishes to a high clear shine. All of this in a low cost, averaging between $5 to $6 per splint. If you'd like more information about Verisplint OS, visit Whitmix's website at whitmix.com or call 1-800-626-5651. And of course, as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. Voices from the Bench. The interview. I am happy to be joined here by Dennis Urban, CDT, who happens to be the chair of the National Board of Certification. The NBC, let's say it for short. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you, Elvis. I'm excited to be on the show. It's such an honor to be a part of Voices from the Bench. I think I hit you in Chicago, told you I was coming for you this year. And June being CDT and Dental Technician Appreciation Month, I thought it was appropriate to talk to the guy heading up the department that runs CDTs. Ah, thank you so much. Again, it's it's an honor to be on here. And I have to say that this podcast is so well received in the dental industry. And I hope you and Barbara, if Barbara's on here, everybody else are staying safe during these unprecedented times, you know, uh, and also 
to our audience. I wish everybody well with their safety, health, and getting back to their careers. I'm excited to be here on CDT and Dental Technician Appreciation Month, and uh, I'm ready to go, man. Yeah. Barb is actually on an important phone call she couldn't get away from, so hopefully she'll join us. I told her just to pop in, so if we have a surprise Barb visit, great. If not, we understand. Running a lab, we all know what that's like. So you're at DSG in Mount Vernon, New York. Well, I, yeah, I live in Stony Brook, New York. Uh, Mount Vernon's about two and a half hours from my home here. So I was general manager over there at Mount Vernon. And now I'm more on the technical side and doing lectures and support and training and still advising over there at Mount Vernon. That's one of our 41 locations that we have around the country. Yowzer. So you're not there on a day-to-day operations anymore? Not anymore. No, not anymore. I'm, I'm doing more. Yeah, I'm doing more with the technical aspect of the things, like I mentioned, doing a lot of webinars, seminars, trainings, and just getting up everything standardized also with our group at DSG on the removal side. Sure. It's been exciting, but it's been a different for the last three months. Let me tell you, it's been, it's been since uh, ever since March 13th. Been home eating too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I've been presenting numerous webinars on numerous topics, you know, to uh, clinicians and uh, technicians around the country since then. And it's been so well received because a lot of people have a lot more time to catch up on technology. You know, and, uh, you know, after the first couple of weeks, I saw that we were inundated with uh, information on the Internet as far as uh, opportunities for webinars. Yeah, there were about five a day going on for a while there. And there was there was always a chance to get educated. And that's a good thing because we had a lot of downtime. It must be hard going from a day to day operation running to a lab where we know the the constant stream of problems and issues and fires to switching gears and being more of an educator. Yes, yes, it's true. And well, I've been traveling quite a bit, too. I've been traveling around the country to some of our other locations and uh, and doing lectures for some of the groups that we deal with uh, as far as dental groups yeah. and doing education. From running around, uh, going crazy from airport to airport, from laboratory to laboratory, and, and, and all of a sudden staying at home since March 13th. You know? I know. So, it was it was tough, but uh, thankfully I kept busy with education, and that's what I love. Education. That's great. So, how did you get into the industry? Did you grow up in a lab? No, I, I had a friend of mine whose uh, cousin worked in a laboratory. I was only I think I was eighteen years old, and a cousin worked in a lab, and they had an opening for a trainee. I applied for the job. Uh, they offered. This is back in I'm going to date myself now. This is back in 1975. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would work in the Crown and Bridge Department half the day, and the other half the day I, I would. Uh, I would work in the denture department. Really? Yes. As I was going along, you know, my boss came up to me one day. He said, you know, I see that you have some talent here. And he goes, I would love for you to stay at night. And I'd like to train you more on all aspects of denture technology. Would you rather be in the denture aspect of it or or the crown of bridge? I said, you know what? I really enjoy uh, the removal side and the denture Mm. side. So I stayed all I could and learned all I could. And I was there almost every night learning setups. And to this day, my mentor who taught me this gentleman, Nat, he's not with us anymore, but he passed away. But I think he's still one of the best dental technicians and setup technicians I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I try to mimic him. I think of his mentorship every time I'm in a lab or I'm training or doing a case. I think of the techniques that he had taught me. This is 1975. And by 1980, I opened up my own lab. Really? Yeah. There in New York? Have you always been in that area? Yeah, it's just in Long Island, New York. So I had a lot, you know, the lab in New York there. And I had the lab, I guess, from 1980 to about 1995. Wow. And during that time, I had been to a number of lectures. And I loved going to lectures and learning as much as I could. And I realized it was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share my expertise in education and educate technicians. Not that I knew everything, because in the beginning, I didn't. I was just, I did some basic seminars and I, I, I got to be good at it, you know. So I started to lecture in uh, 1985. That was my first lecture. Lots of slide projectors and uh, Yeah, stuff. yeah. I, <laughs> I, had, I had two slide projectors and I remember this royal because it was at the uh, New York Dental Technology Congress at Tarrytown Hotel. Yeah. And I was there and I was ready to lecture and I had my two trays of slides and I dropped one. Oh. So, <laughs> and thankfully, not all the slides came out, but I did a hands-on course for my first lecture ever. And uh, what a mistake I made because I didn't limit it to like 12 or 15 people. I said, whoever wanted to come, come. And I had a company sponsor me at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it was Darby Dental and they provided all the equipment, you know? So, so just yeah. keep in mind a small room with about 35 to 40 people, everybody having a portable Bunsen burner on. And I'm surprised we didn't set the place on fire. (laughs) It wound up up to be my very first seminar and it was successful and it was kind of hot in that room. But that was my first lecture in 1985. And no third degree burns. So that's no third degree burns. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
so it worked out well. I, I continued to do that and work my way, uh, you know, in education and lecturing. And yeah, and uh, so it worked out well. And then finally, in 1995, I sold the lab. And I'll give you a little background on that. Did you go right to DSG or? No, no, no. I, I had an offer since I was started lecturing sure. at you know, all different you know, dental conventions. And I was high, I'm really involved with the dental associations. I was president of the Long Island Association and Dental Laboratory Association of New York at the time. And I was actually involved with the NADL. You know, they, oh. that time, it was a different structure. They had delegates. Oh, yeah. The they had delegates. delegates. Yeah, right. Yeah, we talked about them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was uh, I got an offer from a company called TC America, and they mm-hmm. hired me as a sales and technical manager. And I continued to lecture. So I worked my way up to director of sales and marketing. And at that time, this company was the third largest dental manufacturer in the world. You know, so they, were, they were huge. So I managed the sales force. I was an educator. And then I spoke and, and lectured all over the world. I traveled to so many countries observing dental offices and practices and sharing my knowledge. Sure. And, but most importantly, I continue to learn, you know, which is great. I bet. Yeah. After I was there quite a number of years until I was asked to relocate and I, I couldn't relocate. So uh, at that point, I went with another company and uh, did the same type of thing, managing people and finally wound up back in the laboratory. You know, I managed a couple of large laboratories. I was COO of one laboratory, a general manager for another one. Then I got an opportunity to come to DSG, manage um, Mount Vernon location. But uh, we knew that was going, was going to be a temporary uh, position mm-hmm. because I wanted to get everybody up in up to par in quality and production. Then uh, finally, you know, I'm, getting, I'm doing what I really love to do, and that's education. That's great. Since we're CDT Appreciation Month, let's talk about when you got your CDT. When was that and what was your motivation to get it? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I, and you're going to be surprised. Everybody's going to be surprised at this, but I became a CDT. It was 2003. Now, I had well, it already took been, so long. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, that's what. And I was in the lab industry since 1975, you know, so but yeah. I, I tried. I think it was like three or four times. Not that I failed. I want to make that clear. I didn't fail the test, but I was so busy in the laboratory at the time. I mean, I was working 16, 18 hours a day like we all do yeah. in small laboratories. And uh, while I was in the laboratory, I think I signed up about three or four times. I passed a written test. I never got to travel to take the practical test, you mm-hmm. know. So, And finally, I even did this in the 90s after I sold the laboratory. I was working uh, as a sales and technical manager. I signed up again on because of travel constrictions, uh, I couldn't take the test. Finally, sure. I said, enough is enough. I am going to take this test. So I remember taking the, the written test in Biloxi, Mississippi, uh-huh. at the Fun in the Sun meeting. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and then I traveled to Chicago to take the practical test. And I remember packing up all my equipment in a, in a metal case so nothing would get damaged. And uh, I took that and went to Chicago and took my practice exam. One of the best experiences of my life, you know. So when I received a letter that notified me that I had passed the certification test, it was such a great feeling. You know, I had put so much into learning and getting ahead, and now I had my CDT. Mm. What an honor. It was fantastic. I loved that memory, and that's why I became passionate about promoting certification. Absolutely. What is your specialty in? I lecture on removables, uh, implant dentures, overdentures, hybrid type dentures, and case planning. And I have lectures on communication, but I, I pretty much have a, a real big wheelhouse of uh, information, you know, when I lecture and many different topics, even bite splints, uh, snore guard appliances, anything you can think of in that area too. So uh, yeah, but your CDT is in complete dentures. Exactly. My CDT is complete dentures. Yeah. So, uh, but I try to incorporate when I do my presentations, Mm -hmm. even webinars, you know, it's not like 10 or 20 slides. I have an average of even for one hour webinar and you're going to, you're going to say, how do you do this in one hour? One hour webinar, I average from 150 to 225 slides. And that's how my lectures are, too. So it's a quick succession of of slides and information. And I try to pack in a lot of information. I compare my lectures to, I don't know if you've ever ever been to a Bruce Springsteen concert where he goes. I have not. He goes for four four hours uh, nonstop, five hours, and then packs in everything he can. And so that's what I want to do when I, I lecture and, and I, I try to educate uh, people. And I love it. Uh, usually the response is good. So I have a passion for this industry and a passion for uh, for education. Well, we're going to see if we can get everyone to start calling you the boss. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. <laughs> good one. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you start to get involved on the board for certification? Because, I mean, it's one thing to get your CDT. I mean, it's very admirable of people I, because it's volunteer. I highly respect people that go out of their way to get the certification. Right. But to take that extra step to sit on the board, what, where was the motivation there? Yeah, well, you know, I, I had a passion for education dental in the dental laboratory industry, and I wanted to get involved with NBC to get the message out 
you know, on the importance of education and the importance of becoming a CDT. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to get the message as a CDT tech designation. You know, it demonstrates the mastery of knowledge and applied skills needed in dental technology. So this is important that I get that message out. And it illustrates the technician's commitment to the field of dental technology and demonstrates their knowledge in their specialty areas. You know, so those of you out there who are dedicated dental technicians, have, you have a great opportunity to show how proud you are of the role in dentistry you play by becoming a certified technician. So, you know, that's my goal. I want to bring in new technicians to do this. And, you know, it's not me. You know, NBC has, we have such a dedicated and knowledgeable group of volunteers, officers, and, and trustees. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I want to thank everybody, all, all those uh, people for their hard work and dedication. You know, even during this hard time we're going through now, you know, we had to come up with some different ideas and plans for certification, you know. So that's how I got into it and slowly worked my way up and became 2020 chair. But it's it's a group effort, you know, and, and we want to promote certification in the industry as a standard. And I believe there's so many possibilities out there to bring new people on board as, as certified dental technicians. We haven't even realized the amount of people it's possible to come on board and be certified. And let's face it, that's pretty much all we have in the industry, you know, CDT, mm-hmm. you know, as far as you know, a certification name. So it's important to me. And I've seen over the years, you know, by becoming a certified dental technician, you know, get more respect from doctors. Uh, I hear it all the time. Oh, you're a certified dental technician. This is great. We haven't worked with certified dental technicians uh, in the past. And, and I think that the knowledge base, that continual education that we get, it really plays a major factor in dental technology. I agree. I mean, I'm not a technician myself, so I've never got the CDT, but I totally hire CDTs, respect CDTs would always promote the idea of it for those that do the work. Because yeah. I think it's important that we do have a standard and we promote those that are willing to do the continuing education. Exactly. You're right. And you know, you know, dental technicians have such a great impact on patients uh, all around the world with you know their knowledge and, and they provide positive life-changing experiences for patients. Uh, you know, and we don't realize it sometimes sitting at the bench, getting into a rut, throwing teeth in wax or just doing the mm-hmm. day-to-day grunt work but we're doing life-changing experiences in the laboratory. And this includes, you know, producing restorations in, in a technically artistic form, but it's an art form. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, which is unlike any other industry. And, you know, because of dental technicians, you know, the quality of life, it, patients, and, and increased self-esteem is evident in millions and millions of patients. So it's, it's important that people realize that. And a lot of times we don't do that in the laboratory because we get so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an industry unlike any other industry. You know, it takes a lot of our time, stressful and, uh, you know, we need to realize this sometimes. And when I'm lecturing, I always try to get across. I said, try to visualize that the patient is at the bench with you and that the ultimate goal is to get that patient satisfaction with function and aesthetics and provide a better quality of life. That's the goal, you know, yeah. and uh, being a certified dental technician plays into all these things I just mentioned. And I think our role as dental technicians is constantly evolving in an ever-changing industry. And the collaboration between dental technicians and dentists, they present a value and importance uh, for patients unlike any other time in history, especially now. And especially with implant and digital case planning technology, you know, we play a major role and part in the overall success of oral health. Yeah, and it's getting even more in-depth on our end as technology increases. Yeah, definitely. But uh, we're doing some good things at NBC, and uh, I'll elaborate on that in a little bit more. Yeah, please do. We always like to get an update from the chair at the NBC, the NADL, and the foundation every year. And right. man, this year's a little crazy, you know. Uh, we all <laughs> we were all supposed to meet in April and discuss things, and that didn't happen. And yep. I can only imagine people applying for the CDT. Is that up? Is that down? Is it? Say, this is what's been, been going on. You know, a lot of people were scheduled to take the written exam. So we were offering computer-based testing yeah. with our remote proctoring for the written exams, but we were not able to offer those uh, in March and April due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So You couldn't so we, even do the remote testing? We couldn't. Interesting. We had to go to a new provider. The provider we had couldn't do that. Yeah. We switched to a new provider in May, and now we're back up and running. With the new provider now, with computer-based testing, it's on demand. 24 7, 365 days a year. So, 365 days a year. So, and no pre scheduling is required. So, that's one major step that we took during this crisis here because uh, we had a lot of people re- ready to take their written exams and, you know, we couldn't do it because we didn't have the right remote proctoring in place for computer based testing. So, now someone can log in at two o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day and take that's the right. test. 
Yep. That's insane. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's just like that commercial at 12 a.m. on New Year's Eve, you know? This is <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's technicians out there that Christmas Day is their only free day. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it, you know, we've done a number of other things, too. You know, for instance, on the uh, additional time needed for payments, you know, NBC, we're increasing the extension on continuing education from 45 to 90 days. So if a person was missing credits, mm -hmm. you know, they have up to 90 days now to allow that additional time. Sure. And then we're working with CDTs and RTs who may need additional time beyond that to renew. I just sent two letters out in the last month, month and a half, offering certified dental technicians payment plans for those who are impacted the most. You know, so we did this collaboratively at NBC. And, you know, certain individuals may need to break up payments and maybe need extended time. Sure. And so we encouraged any CDT or RT who has questions or needs assistance or accommodation with their renewal to contact us and we'll work out a plan. You know, there's enough pressure right now on them you know, between yeah. losing jobs, being furloughed. So we'll give them a little more time. On the other hand, with additional credits that, that you can receive, you know, seeing many continuing education offerings online. One example is the foundation for dental technology. Foundation just extended their foundation learning library to be free mm -hmm. through December of 2020. So this is great, you know. So in addition to that, NADL has five free on-demand webinars yep. through the NADL Learner community related to COVID-19, two of which were approved for regulatory standards and regulatory credits. So that's great. And then hundreds of more online continuing education offerings are being provided by dental laboratories, associations, uh, components, and manufacturers. We have a lot out there for them to go to during this difficult time. And they can get CE credit at most of these. Exactly. Yeah, that's the goal. So they, yeah. can, they can keep up with their certification. It's, it's tough when you, you don't want it to lapse. And, you know, we, we're extending the time period so it won't lapse, you know. So we're doing, trying to do everything within our range that we can do with, to help them, you know, achieve those CDT credits that they need for the year and also in, uh, in renewal payments and things like that. Sure. So that's, you know, that's the written exam and on the additional time for payments and getting credits. So we're working on that. And then for the practical exam, that was the big challenge, the practical exam. Yeah. So we had to cancel all practical exams because everything was in at laboratories or in, in person. Sure. This is since March. We had to come, come up with an idea. We had someone to schedule for July and beyond. And now we're looking at CDC guidelines also for our practical exams to make them safer in the future. So mm -hmm. that's been a challenge and we're working on that. You know, so, you know, we have to consider social distancing, limiting the number of candidates and other safety precautions in, in the laboratory when you're taking these practical exams. And with that said, you know, now NBC is piloting a program that may allow for remote testing, just like you have it uh, with your computer-based testing on the written exams. Yeah. We're working on providing practical exams at the candidate's own, own location. So that's going to be a big plus. Wasn't the practical exam years ago, people did it at their own lab and then mailed it in? Exactly. Yeah. Years yeah. ago, technicians who were candidates, they used to do everything at the lab, send it in, and they'd get, get the CDT. Then we started the practical exam in person because mm -hmm. it was too many people not actually doing these cases. So you had to be careful. A lot of people are cheating out there. So uh, we wanted to make sure that these are done correctly and that certification you know, is legit. You know, the remote testing for practical exams at their own, own locations, that's going to be under the supervision of a third-party proctor. Yeah. These pilot exams are successful. We'll be in a position, hopefully we'll be in a position to roll them out sometimes in the late third or fourth quarter of this year on a larger scale. So and I'll go in, into more of that, you know, at that time. I can't reveal too much now, but that's what no, I get it. I know that's going to be hugely popular because we've had employees that it's difficult to find a practical location that they can travel to and have the time. Yeah. And just the nerve. There's probably been five that we've sent places and the nerves they go through of just what to bring and the equipment and they don't know the setting they're going to be at. And yeah, that's a big deal. I think it's going to help a lot with getting people to get their CDTs. It does. I did some more relaxed atmosphere you know even though our board meetings that we're talking about the feedback we've gotten is that the, the testing that we've done so far on the trial basis on these practical exams people are more relaxed and they don't have to worry about going to a foreign atmosphere or a strange atmosphere and uh, you know how it is i remember trying out for jobs in a laboratory you know when i was younger yeah and getting so nervous because i didn't know the layout of the laboratory and you sit at the bench and you don't know where anything is and, and that's how it is when you're taking your practical you know a lot of times you feel uncomfortable and you run it be at ease when you're doing this. This is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. This is the final step of your uh, getting your certification. You want to be in the right place and in the right frame of mind, you know, so it's important. And, and you hit it right on the nose, Elvis, with that's it's true. You want to feel comfortable. And that's this is what this does. And we're able to have a, a third party proctor watching 
this, these technicians taking their practical exam, and then they can they can take that in their own laboratories. But I'll elaborate on that more in, uh, in the future. But uh, that's exciting, and that's what's coming up in uh, hopefully the third and fourth quarter of this year. Yeah, very cool. A lot of good stuff, and even with examination content, the examination content had to change a little. So you know, we're constantly looking at the content of these tests and reviewing and revising the content outlines, uh, which is the content of and written and practical examinations are built for 2021. So NBC has done a ton of work in the last couple of years, you know, so on this. Yeah, it just went through a pretty major overhaul. Yeah. yeah. uh, Questions. I remember, I think Barb was on that committee. Yes. And talking to Denise and Morris, and I'm sure you were involved. It was. All those questions being revamped as our industry progresses and changes, yes. so do the questions. Yeah, exactly. And it was necessary. And it's a tedious uh, procedure too. You sit down for hours and sometimes days going through all these questions. And sometimes you look at these questions and say, "Oh man, this doesn't sound right. We got to take this out of here or revamp the question and make it you know, pertain to what today's uh, dental technology is." You know, so uh, it's it's important that you do that. So we launched updated examination references, reviewed, revised, and removed almost three thousand questions for the written exam and incorporated digital questions on the written exams also mm-hmm. and allowed use of digital technologies and materials of choice in the, in the preliminary portion of the practical examinations. So we continue to discuss the ways to allow for digital technology on the uh, online portion of the practical exams. That's a work in progress. We're working on that now. Sure. When you talk about CAD CAM, we're not intending on launching a digital CAD CAM specialty, let's put it that way, but instead continue to incorporate it within applicable areas. And this is a thought process. So it's not going to have its own specialty, but it's going to be used as a tool or a process to fabricate a restoration that should be tested as part of the tools and processes of whatever your specialty is. So we're getting there with that. I get asked that a lot. "Ah, Dennis, when is NBC going to come out with it? I'm a a digital technician. I sit in front of a computer Mm -hmm. and I design. And I said, that's fantastic. You you could do that. But I don't think we're going to have a specialty for for that, for CAD CAM. We're going to apply it to our certain areas and, and expertise in different specialties, whether it be crown and bridge, implants, or dentures, or partials, or orthodontics, you know, yeah. and all those are applicable right now with, with the CAD CAM. Everything's being done, you know, most of the laboratories are off the speed on CAD CAM design now. So it's going to be a big deal in the future. So we're working on that to incorporate that in, uh, into our practical exams. So you're thinking that if someone goes for their crown and bridge specialty, that they won't have to hand wax, they could do everything digitally, like as they were trained and what they do every day. That's what I'm thinking. You can Great. design your wax up or print it or mill it or, and then utilize that in, in your final process. You know, So yeah. that's what we're talking about now. I think it's going to be exciting and I think it's going to entice more dental technicians to become certified. I agree. I got a couple people here at our lab that design a lot of crowns, but I don't think they could hand wax. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you know, I was reading JDT this month and you're know, looking at some of the articles there and I have to agree with what the uh, author said. And it was that you're never going to take the human element out of this. You know, oh, you, no. you really can't. You have to know the science behind what you're doing and apply it to the sciences of CAD CAM technology. You need your analog and, and your digital and it's going to result in that quality restoration. Yeah, I like where we're heading in dental technology. It's exciting now. I've been in at it a long time and uh, to still get excited at this point. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. You know, I know we have our challenges ahead of us, you know, with been happening with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. The landscape is going to be different in the dental business. You know, we have a lot of challenges there, you know, but I believe we can proceed in a safe way with our businesses by following the safety protocol as things are starting to open up. I agree. Let's wrap up with a question I hear often. Why should I get my CDT? What's the benefit? Becoming a CDT, I think it's the prestige. It brings you to the next level, what you've been working for all, all your career. It brings that to a certification level. It's just like getting a diploma, you know, whether you're in college or high school uh, or just, you know, some sort of meritus award mm-hmm. and for everything you have done. So, you know, prestige, continued education, keeping up with the industry, the support of a group like NBC and together with NADL and the foundation. I mean, it's just amazing what the support that's out there. And I believe in this industry where we're headed, we need to become certified, especially with uh, regulatory issues. You know, so uh, that's going to be a big issue in in the upcoming years. And it's happening right now with the certification demanding FDA or uh, FDA regulations, having a certified dental technician on staff. Mm -hmm. But I think it raises the level of your career. It shows you as as far as visibility to dentists and the dental community that you care 
Uh, not that you don't care if you're a dental technician, but I think it shows you that you care about what you are and elevating yourself in, in this industry with education and certification. So those things, and I've seen in other areas where certified dental technicians get a pay raise in, in, in certain laboratories. I'm not saying in every laboratory, but sure. it does raise that level. We do it here. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, it's a, it's a great community. You saw at the uh, CDT Fest, which uh, we are the uh, co-founders of, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. No, no. We could have round about that. So that discussion came up that time about the CDT. I forgot about that. We did come up with that idea, didn't we? <laughs> but, uh, and everybody else helped elaborate on it. That's, that was good. And it was successful. Yeah. You see the collaboration every year with the LMT. Everybody gets together. It's unbelievable. This past year was amazing. Yeah. Well, they were there. And the, the reviews and the feedback we got on that uh, uh, CDT festival was great. That was one of the last nights we were able to pack people in a small room with no masks. Yes. And give hugs and handshakes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was just talking about, look, Vision 21 last year in Vegas, how you know, we had so many people there and we were together. And this is the last thing on our minds with it happening right now. Yeah. But we're getting there. Like little by little, like I said, follow safety protocol. And, uh, you know, we still have to deal with this issue for a while, this uh, yeah. pandemic. It's great to see people starting to get back to work and, and working together on uh, with dentists. And we're supporting our dentists also with the correct protocol and information getting their practices up and running again also. So that's important. But I believe by you know, partnering with our dental community and providing the best services and restorations we possibly can, that's important, you know, and just know that NBC is here to support the dental technology community. That's great. Dennis, thank you so much for coming on, sir. Always great to talk to you. You are so welcome. Thank you for all that you do with the NBC, with the industry. Keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> Thanks, Elvis. I appreciate it. It's been an honor to be here, and uh, it's always great speaking with you. Awesome. Take care now. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. We'd like to welcome back to the podcast two past guests with the same first name. So we're going to be very formal today and call Mr. Siegel. We have Sean Siegel from Castable Ceramics. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having us. Excellent. And then we have Sean Nowak, Mr. Nowak from Nowak Dental Supply. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic, guys. Good to hear. And good old Barb is with us. And we're here to talk about the Foundation for Dental Laboratory Technology. Both of you sit on the board. Sean, you're the chairperson, I believe. I am. Thank you. Sean Siegel. We have to make sure we do this right. Mr. Siegel. <laughs> You're the chairperson on the foundation. This is my first term, and I inherited the COVID-19 term. How's that? Yeah, I'm with you, Sean. What a great year for raising money, right? (laughs) Awesome. So, Mr. Siegel, we had you on while we were in Vision 21, and you gave us a brief update on the money raised so far, and that was just late January, and the numbers were looking really good. I can only imagine with what's happened, fundraising is not a priority. Fundraising is not a priority at this point. Of course, you know, the foundation is very thankful for our sponsors and our donors and all the participation and support that we get and receive from around the industry. It goes without saying that these are tough times and uh, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Yeah. And the foundation is no exception. And so we're acting quickly and moving swiftly to make sure that um, that we're still doing what we can to provide education and support the industry moving forward. This is a blip on the radar in whatever respect and whatever life may bring you right now. And it affects us all, but we'll move quickly and swiftly through this and proceed for sure. I agree. We got to keep a positive approach and move forward and just start the country back up. And hopefully, I don't know at this point, but have you guys heard anything about the race? Is it on? Is it off? Is it canceled? I'm not sure if the Chicago Triathlon itself has uh, decided to move forward to the race and or postpone or for that matter, cancel the race. As far as the, the foundation goes, we have made the decision to not participate and not have the Race to the Future 7.0. However, we're happy to announce, if you will, that it's not done. It's not gone. We're happy to put an asterisk next or behind a 7.0 and get after and, and make this happen in 2021. So I do believe the dates for the Chicago Triathlon have already been set for August 
2021. And so at this point, with all the anticipation in the world, the race to the future 7.0 will continue next year. I'll be there. That just gives you longer to train, Barb. Yep, I know that because I'm going to be after you. I wonder what we're going to talk about all for the month of July and August, Barb. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll be complaining because we're training for a non-race because we'll still be training, right, guys? Absolutely. That's exactly right. I know that. I think it's pretty slick that we have, Barb. You're the president of the NADL, and so you too have a COVID-19 term. Yeah, I know. I'll just throw in my two cents in this is in regards to, to our partners in the NADL, as well as the NBC, the third cog in this very important wheel is the foundation for dental laboratory technology. We all have, I think it's also important to know that we all have our own jobs, if you will, to do in respect to the dental laboratory industry. And each one of us play a very important role in moving us forward, uh, whether it be on a day-to-day basis you know, as an industry as a whole. And so from a foundation standpoint, our job isn't to navigate the industry as a whole where the NADL would be. Our job as a foundation isn't to award um, or even test for our prized CDTs in our industry, but our job as a foundation relative to education, our role is to fulfill the needs of education across the entire spectrum to make sure that CDTs are possible. So we don't yes. make CDTs, we just give them money to push them forward. How's that? I love it. It's awesome. So Sean, you're here. What's happening? I am here, yeah. So I am the fiscal officer for the Foundation for Dental Laboratory Technology. I've been in this seat for the last two years and kind of different role from what I normally do of a company. Uh, you know, my my role on fiscal officer is, is to spend as much money as possible. <laughs> I do not want to run a positive budget. I, I want to be a negative at the end of the year. We want to give away money as much as humanly possible. You know, with all the grants we have, the scholarships that we have, we're looking into ways in the current world we're living in right now, the, what we can do to help others out right now. You know, it's different business models right now for everybody. We're, none of us are doing the same thing we were doing two months ago right now. And, yep. and even on the foundation side, we're, we're looking at what we can do differently right now instead of just the same status quo of giving our, our grants out to recipients and scholarships to the schools, what we can do to kind of help you guys out. And luckily, we've got a, a great leader in Mr. Siegel. Uh, we, we call him Sean North, and I'm Sean South. If you guys don't want to be using our last names, that's the easier way to, to reference us there. We're coming up with some fun ideas. I think it's going to be good for the industry, and that's what the foundation is. I think a lot of people just don't realize who we are, what we do. You know, I've been on it for, for so many years. You know, even when I started with it nine years ago, I had no idea what the foundation did. Hmm. Like, okay, you know, uh, am I just going to go throw money at them and, <laughs> and, you know, and call it a day? But, you know, really the foundation is all about educating and elevating the recipients to another level. And I think if people realized that, we would receive so many more applications to our grants. Uh, you know, this is free money. You know, what is it going to hurt for you to fill out a grant form and, yeah. and hope you receive some money to do the Seattle Study Club or Spear or Dawson or Coy Center? I mean, these are four of amazing institutes that are in our industry, even PTC, that all have grants out there just waiting to be given. Yeah. They're wanting to give you money to come to these courses. It's free. You know, I, I just don't see why people wouldn't take advantage of these kind of things. How many people do you have going for the grants? I think we're up to 40, 40 some, or maybe even getting closer to 50 of the pillar scholarships that those are awarded to those folks that are hoping for and moving towards their CDT certifications. Mm-hmm. We give those out. Sean, is that quarterly or is that, that's not just annually, right? That is quarterly, I believe. So, wow. I mean- there's a lot of folks that are interested in that. And we've, and we've moved and expanded our RG scholarship, Pillar Scholarship Program as well. So that's been expanded to encourage more and more people to participate. You know, and to Sean's point, there's 12 grants and scholarships that are available. Of course, you can find those on the foundation website. You know, again, to Sean's point, what's available out there certainly needs to be taken advantage of, looked into, 
share that with, you know, those of you that are listening here on the podcast, share that with your staff, make it known that these are all nothing but good things to advance technicians, their interest in this industry, strengthening even individual labs. So get after it. I mean, I'm looking at kind of our, our list right now of all the grants that we have. I mean, even, I mean, take the Koi Center. I mean, one of the, the top institutes around, that's a $9,000 course that is free yeah so that's a huge thing to to have under your belt that you went to the Coist institute or even dawson or spear seattle study clubs i mean you know you're talking nine thousand for one five thousand for another that it's it's not just a little hundred dollars here to to help you out kind of thing this is this can seriously elevate your career i love that that's awesome nine thousand dollars that's not chump change guys you could actually go out to Seattle, I believe it's in Seattle, and attend that course if you apply for that grant. So let's get moving on it. Let's get it out there. We had some some information forwarded us today because I mean I asked the question earlier this morning. Hey, I'd love to see some stats to share on our visit today. And pretty impressive. Uh, again, to Sean's point in regards to the number of scholarships and grants that are out there. We most certainly have to recognize the sponsors and donors that participate, whether it be individually or through companies in support of the foundation. And I can tell you, it is, for lack of better words or for no other word, it's humbling to see that list and to see the ongoing annual donor and sponsor lists, not just the amount of dollars, if you will, that folks participate with, but just their participation in general. So real quick, and probably first and foremost, a huge thank you to to all of the foundation supporters through your donations, through whether it be cash or in kind, it is impressive. I mean, a couple quick numbers, $150,000 in scholarships and dental technology grants have been issued in helping to achieve greater numbers in, in CDT designation. The foundation's also also awarded over 150000 in grants and dental technology programs to, to the various schools across the country that need help. Mm-hmm. Again, Barb, it, yes, it's not chump change that we're messing around with here and able to get out to our industry. It's it, These are real dollars backed by real sponsors and real donors and some really incredible participation individually and corporate around the country. It's important to note that all the money that comes in goes directly back out. No one's getting a paycheck. You guys aren't living on a yacht. Sean is. Sean Nowak is. (laughs) Well, yeah. You are correct, Elvis. I did confirm there is no foundation stimulus checks being mailed anywhere. It's important to know that because a lot of charities you hear about that there's a CEO running the charity making a couple million a year. But this all goes back into our industry, which I think is super important. That was kind of my point earlier, Elvis. It's, you know, as the fiscal officer, I want to run as a negative budget every year. I, I don't want, you know, to have a little money left over that we, you know, received back in from fundraising. I, I want to, you know, give out as much or more than yeah. we, we took in. And, you know, I think we always have. I mean, we've almost, you know, every year I was on the foundation board as well. But, you know, every year, even when we have excess, we come up with another grant or another scholarship to be able to give even more away. And I think that that needs to be told. It's like if they did better in the race. I think you guys came up with another grant to give away. So they just, the more that comes in, the more we try to give away or the foundation tries to give away to the industry. And I just love that. It's amazing. The amount of grants that I've seen. And then, like you said, Barb, when you were on it years ago, I mean, I've been on it, you know, eight, nine years now. And then the, the list of the amount of grants now has grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing to, to constantly see that where, you know, back in the day, we can only give, you know, three or four of them at a time, you know, and, and now, you know, it's like Sean said, yeah. 40 of them, you know, on the Teller Scholarship. So it's, That's you know, it's, it's awesome to see that kind of stuff. And I'm so happy that some people are taking advantage of it. But I mean, with as many technicians as we have in our industry, you know, I, I just don't think they realize this is out there for them. You know, like I said, free money, you know, take advantage of it. So a question, if they want to find those grants, would they go on the foundation website? Is there a direct link to those grants? I mean, how can we kind of walk 
some of our listeners through going and accessing those? That's done through the dentallabfoundation.org website. It is tremendously easy to find the entire list of grants and scholarships, and therefore that'll walk you through the application process for each and every one of them. It also gives a a great description of what they entail and what can be expected if someone were to be awarded or earns one. Awesome. Thank you. That's great. And then while you're on the website, you can take advantage of the uh, the learning library that we have opened up for the rest of the year for free, Ooh. which is a huge, uh, you know, everything that's available there is, you know, go learn for free. Everybody's doing all these Zoom calls right now and, and doing webinars when they're down. This is, you know, a lot of self-education is out there at your fingertips. Can you give us a taste of a little bit of what's on there? Mr. Siegel, can you touch base on that? I know there's a removable. I know that for sure, Sean. So the learning library, it is a living, breathing document, if you will. It grows as materials and and media is available. But the design of the the learning library, I think we're, I mean, it, it has plans to be quite large. And like I said, it's growing all the time. But it will and has coverage of anything that would be applicable in our industry. So it is a great place, a great resource for longtime technicians and young technicians alike. So it is a great place to dive in. If you get in there and you like it, go ahead and make suggestions on how it can be enhanced. This again is a is a living, breathing document that for the industry. Yeah. And to Sean's point, we've been able to open that up and decided to make that free of charge until the end of 2020 for sure. And uh, let's see where we can take it from there. Awesome. Love it. One of the things too, just to wet your whistle, if you will, and in regards to grants and scholarships, we are working diligently on an additional grant. Please stay tuned for what that may look like. It'll be extremely advantageous to all dental laboratories to look into this grant and relative to the time, if you will, that we're all going through, we're looking for the ability to get through COVID-19 and and beyond strengthening labs through education. And the grant that we're working on will allow you to do that with your local OSHA and CDC authorities on what's best and what's necessary for your laboratory. So stay tuned on on that development. I think that's going to be something again industry-wide that's applicable to us all. So during the uh, COVID-19 times, which is right now, are you guys doing or coming up with as you guys meet a couple new grants, maybe some new opportunities? And and if so, what would that look like? We've tossed around some fabulous ideas. A lot of it has to be vetted in terms of sticking to our overall foundation mission, which is very much education driven. Anything that we can morph into an educational opportunity that carries some weight, we're definitely not only kicking them around, but we're willing to hear and listen to ideas. So we'll throw that out there that if if you have some ideas that fit that mold of education, good quality, solid industry-wide education, bring it on. We'd love to hear it. We definitely kicked around the uh, the stimulus check idea. We know we joked about it earlier, but unfortunately, with as many labs that are in our industry, we couldn't uh, <laughs> we couldn't fulfill that need as much. Yeah, that wouldn't go very far, would it? Even with as much money as we have, well, you know, ten dollars a lab really wouldn't stretch that far. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to play favorites, and uh, I know I'm your favorite, but <laughs> you're not the favorite. <laughs> I love it. I'll be impartial there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment. <laughs> Smart. Sorry, <laughs> I will throw out there this. I mean, again, super appreciative of being invited onto Voices from on the Bench and love the opportunity to spread the good word of the foundation and any and all of the advancements that we're able to make and are looking forward to for our industry. I will throw out there this, and I, I said it early on, these times won't last and we, the foundation, are going to be diligent in keeping education at the forefront in our industry. We've made some tough decisions here recently as well. Not just the fact that we're not having the Race to the Future 7.0, which is our biggest money-raising forum that's been developed over the years. So it's a phenomenal one. We very much look forward to coming back to that in 2021. I can tell you that the decision has been made at this point that if you have donated and sponsored the Race to the Future 7.0 for 2020, we are in a position and have decided to give or return those funds 
to donors and sponsors. Oh, wow. You know, it's the right thing to do it at this time. Yeah. Uh, again, a tough decision. I'm sure there will be some that throw out there, hey, keep the money, put it towards next year's event. Some of those things are, are bound to happen and we'll be very appreciative of that. At this time, I can tell you that the other tough decision that we've made and is that we're halting all of our fundraising efforts for the remainder of 2020. We are well positioned financially to move forward, administer and award all of our grants and scholarships programs without halt or without falter through the remainder of this year with the funding that we have in place. Super pleased about that. The message that I again reiterate is thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to all of our donors. We're going to take a time out. We're going to breathe here a little bit. We're going to put our businesses back in place. We're going to make sure that our people are all taken care of and that this industry is taken care of. And we are going to be back with a vengeance, a revenge tour, if you will, in 2021 of asking for <laughs> Asking for money. <laughs> Asking for more money. So there you go. There's my heartfelt message to all of you. Don't stop picking up your phone. Answer our call when we need you. We will make good use of these donations for the good of the industry. That's super commendable decision. I um, Like I've always said about our industry is we're amazing and the people that lead it and are in it are amazing. I think that's pretty awesome, guys. I'm super bummed that I don't get to email a hundred of my closest friends that have been supporting me personally and the foundation for the last seven years. But I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's a good decision and uh, it'll be missed for sure. Well, at, at least you don't have to worry about coming in second place on your fundraising. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are so funny. And you don't have to worry about coming in second place on the run. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> So even though you guys are not actively fundraising, you still take donated money. People can still go to the website and donate money, correct? Thank you for saying that, Elvis. And that is exactly right. That that button has not been removed from the website. <laughs> Good. Again, from our major, major sponsors all the way down to the individuals doing and giving what they can. It's all appreciated. It's all understood at the current moment and the current time where it is or where it's not. And we get it. But yes, that is an ongoing job for us all is to keep this foundation going, to keep these grants and scholarships moving in the direction that they do. You know, Sean mentioned it earlier, the ability to award these grants and scholarships and to see where it takes people in this industry is really impressive. Yeah. And I also want to thank you guys on uh, the voices from the bench. You know, you guys are a true proponent for us on the foundation. As you both know, I listen constantly and, and I love every time you guys mention us and really push towards our message of giving back and helping educate you know, our industry. Mm -hmm. You guys, what are you going to talk about in, uh, in June and July? You know, I, I know, you know, obviously it wants to be every year. I, I get that on fundraising. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know there's, there's always the other motive, you know, just as, as a whole for the foundation that uh, what you guys do is greatly appreciated. Thanks. Thank you. Elvis gets all the credit, of course. Shush, shush. <laughs> no, for years we've been selling our T-shirts and we made oh, yeah. sure all that money went to the foundation because it's important that we support it. Yep. And again, thank you to you two and the whole board because it's voluntary. Mm -hmm. You guys are out here hitting people up for money, which is not always an easy thing to do. True. On your own. You're taking time away from your families and your businesses to help support an industry. And I've always said it a million times on this podcast that supporting the industry is going to trickle down to all of us. And that's what's going to make us successful. Well said. That's what triathletes do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still going to do my own triathlon in August. So, I mean, it won't be the same, but I'm still going to fall off a bike. And, uh, yeah. That's what I was going to ask. You're, you're not getting on a bike, are no. you? I thought you were, uh, you know, told to stay away from those. Yeah. Yeah. Funny thing is, my wife buys a unicycle. Oh, my God. <laughs> I should call her and find out what's behind that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you got to raise your life insurance plan. <laughs> I did get something about it being increased. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. What else do we need to talk about with, with the foundation? Is there anything else we need to cover? Stay tuned for some ideas that are being kicked around for some additional grants and scholarships. 
those that are listening, please don't hesitate to participate. If you've got some ideas that may fit the foundation's mission, we'd love to hear it. You know, I go back to what I said at the very beginning of the call. This is a three big steam engine train that rolls down the tracks in regards to the foundation, the NBC and the NADL. And I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing it, but yes, we all are in this together and we, we always have been. And I don't see any reason why we couldn't or shouldn't be. You know, like I said, if the foundation is prepping and supporting folks to become CDTs and then the NBC is able to make that happen through their testing and awarding CDTs and on a, you know, your first time out or annually, that's great. And then the big umbrella of the NADL takes care of us all. It it truly is a, a very synergistic approach that takes all of us to make this happen. And so you know, to Barb's point, yeah, this is a, a phenomenal industry. It's made up of extremely great people. And those three boards and all the participants within those are perfect example. Of, it's a perfect example of, but it's only a minor slice of what this industry truly is and can accomplish for sure. Well, and I, and I just want to, you know, reiterate and say it one more time, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, the individuals, look at these grants. Go on our website, check them out, see the amount of funding that's out there. If you wanted to get your CDT, but funding wasn't, you needed some help with that, hit the pillar scholarship up. For some of the you know, larger labs, medium-sized labs, the, the owners of those labs, reach out to your employees. You know, Be that leader. Don't be that boss. Be the leader and try to elevate your team to where you think they should be. Get them signed up for some of these things. Don't be scared to give your team education in fear that they will lead you. Because if you're a good leader, they're not going to lead you. Yep. Mm. I love it. What's it hurt? Go check it out. Fill out some applications. I mean, what could go wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah, really. What's the worst that could happen? Exactly. That's awesome. Good stuff. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for being on and sharing everything. Sean Siegel, the expert in social distancing up in Alaska. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah. (laughs) Up here in Alaska, they have these very cool sweatshirts. And it's, uh, you know how Alaska is always up in the upper left-hand corner of a map, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, Alaska became a state in 1959. So they have t-shirts that say, that have a map of the United States, the 48 states, of course, the lower 48, as we call it. And then there's Alaska up in the left-hand side of the the shirt or sweatshirt. And it says social distancing since 1979 or 1959. Awesome. And Sean Nowak, thank you again for coming on and being a part of this and the foundation and everything that you do. It was good. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been over a hundred episodes since I've been on. So I I was in the uh, the first Yes. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) We ran out of people. I know for a fact I mention you every now and again, just to make sure you're listening. Uh, I am always listening. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Sean, I don't know about you. I like it when we do these things with Barb and Elvis live, but we get to wear the headsets. Doesn't it feel better? Oh, yeah. I've never been part of that. I wouldn't know. I've never asked. Oh, no. Well, we got to do that at Visions this year then, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Whatever show we're allowed to go to again, we'll do it. Yeah. Right. True. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very thank much. you guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. A super big thanks to Dennis, Sean, and Sean. I'm not going to say which one's the girl, Sean, and which one's the boy, Sean, but for all the energy and time they put into the NBC and the foundation. And also a big, huge thanks to everyone on all of the boards that play a part in strengthening our industry. It's really great to see so many people step away from their labs to help make our industry better. And bummer, the race for the future is canceled this year, but we still want to encourage everyone and anyone to get out and exercise and give what they can to the foundation to keep our industry strong. Be sure to check out the links for both the NBC and the Foundation on this episode's show notes. When I was talking to Dennis, we mentioned that we came up with the idea of the CDT Fest. And I don't know if you remember this, Barb, but it was the August meeting right after I broke my collarbone. And we were all in Chicago and we're having a planning meeting. And it was you, me, Dennis Urban, and Renata Bundy. Mm -hmm. We were all in a group, 
and we came up with the idea of having a party for CDTs. I don't even remember this. I might have been on pain pills. I'm not sure. <laughs> that was when we were all in the front of the room, right? And we had yes. An idea. Yes, I do remember. Yeah. That's the birth of CDT Fest. And it's been awesome. Yeah. I granted a lot smarter people have taken this idea and went with it and <laughs> turned it into the event it is now. But it's funny. Think about how it all got started with the four of us. That is neat. I do remember it now, but... That's really great because I was there the last couple years and it keeps getting bigger and better. Yeah, great time. I hope we get to do it again in February. Yes, we will. Stay positive. So it's time now for more audio thanks for Dental Laboratory Appreciation Month. So here's the collection we received this week. Enjoy. Hey, dental technicians around the world. Stephanie Dahl from Argon here. Just sending a huge thank you and my debt of gratitude for everything you do to contribute to dentistry. Thank you for your craftsmanship and your expertise and for adding beauty to every smile you create. Cheers to all of you. Hey, everybody. Elvis Dahl from Summer Dental Laboratories. I wanted to give a different kind of twist to the Dental Laboratory Appreciation Month. While I appreciate every technician who gives so much to our industry, let's not forget the families that have to live with us. I want to give a big thanks to my wife, Tinsley. When she asked me what time I'm going to leave the lab, and then I leave 30 minutes after I told her, she understands that we don't leave until the work's done. So cheers to the spouses, partners, kids, and families. I know it must be tough living with a dental technician. Hi, my name is Whitney McCarty. I'm the lab manager and CAD technician for IDS Smile Lab, which is an in-office lab of Identity Dental Studio in Lexington, Kentucky. I just wanted to give a shout out to some people. I've seen the posts from Voices from the Bench. I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without the contribution of many folks. I just gotta say, first of all, Corey and Bryce with Whitmix, the first six months that I spent in IDS Smile Lab, I definitely wouldn't have made it without you guys. I feel like we become friends over the course of my learning and my mistakes and just very thankful for you all and your patience with me. And I wanted to give a special thanks to Savon Pullerian. The first time I ever seen this guy was at the Whitmix Forum in 2019. I'd never heard of him. And he gets up there and is doing his thing and moving files around and making them work. He barely gasped for air the whole time he was talking. I was in complete awe. I was like, who is this guy? He made things happen. I wanted to learn how to do that. And from that point on, I knew there were more efficient ways to do things, and I really have never been the same. I had been on the three-shape study group for a little while, but hadn't really been interactive, and I started to ask questions and interact with people and learn things, so then I encountered another guy, Mark Dixon. He offered me help on a case. He team-viewed in, and I start taking notes, and really, all of it didn't make sense to me for a little while. I studied and tested things and took about a month and a half of me practicing and trying to figure this out. And then I went to Chicago, and it just all kind of came together. And the thing about Mark is, he doesn't just teach you how to, okay, yeah, this is what the software asks you for, next, next. He teaches you how to think, how to approach a case, problem solve, make the software work for you, helps show you the tools uh, that you need to strategize. I'm still mind blown on the things that he's taught me. I'm able to approach and figure things out now because of the way he helped me learn how to think. Another guy, I can't say his last name, I just can't pronounce it, um, Prishmik. We haven't worked personally together, but so much of what I know is directly from him discovering it and passing it down, and then it was passed down to me. He has simplified so many things in the software, and his strategic approaches to things are amazing. I honestly feel bad for people who 
don't know how to do things the way he does. Another one who I want to give a shout out to, again, we haven't worked together personally, but the information that he puts out is just so valuable. Men Tran, his in-depth knowledge of things technical and historical related to dentistry and digital dentistry is so intriguing and it causes me and I'm sure everyone who hears it to appreciate where we're going and where we came from and I think in order to be successful you need to know both another guy John Wilson a beacon of knowledge if you ever get a chance to listen to him, I mean, it's it's not just learning how to do something. It's the approach and why you do it, and it's based on experience. Also, he's always got some nice life lessons to throw in there. I learn about five different things every time I listen to him on different levels. Another guy who works with our office is Bart Hyde. I love his beautiful handcrafted art. I'm always just impressed by what I see and even the most difficult things he can just turn it into a beautiful result and last but not least I just wanted to give a shout out to my co-technician Patty Dancy she really is a true artist she just has that thing where she just sees the whole view she approaches things holistically and comprehensively and i just love to watch her work and i love her results and i know that you guys will be seeing more and more great things from her and dr stapleton he is not a technician officially but i wouldn't be half of who i am without him his knowledge and understanding is deep and thorough and whenever i'm lost he points me in the right direction. And I know that the lab side of what we do is real passion of his, and he transfers that to us as his employees. That's all I got. It's kind of a long list, but thank you all for listening, and I hope that all these people get the credit that they deserve. There's only one more episode to get your thanks in. So everyone that has been putting it off, this is your last chance. Super easy to do. Just record yourself on your phone or your computer. Thank that special someone in our industry and email it to info at voicesfromthebench.com. We will play it on our last episode of June to celebrate all of the dental technicians. Thanks to everyone that has sent them in so far. And I want to give an extra thanks to Whitney, who sent in one this week. We love how much appreciation she has for all of the people that have influenced her so much. That is exactly what we're looking for. And don't forget, next week is the last week. So send them in and we'll give thanks where thanks is deserved. All right, everybody. That's all we got. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Kristen.